This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. didn't work uh so here we are for the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and i'm Derek diamond so uh you were out of town where, where have you been so i went to uh let a nice little weekend getaway in atlanta georgia for the heroes and villains fan fest which awesome. those who are fans of the uh dc cw shows like arrow flash legends of tomorrow they have a lot of the the cast there do panels and autographs and that fun stuff. So I uh, went, we left um, kind of late on Friday. Didn't actually get into Atlanta until close to two in the morning uh, because of work and all that fun stuff. But we ended up having a really fun time, you know, went to the convention, went to the Georgia Aquarium, saw all kinds of cool uh, aqua life animals, which was really cool. Um I, a couple of things I did want to actually show since we're doing the show on Twitch. Um, I got Stephen Emile's autograph. Oh, nice. Really, really nice guy. And then um, I found this cool T-shirt stand. I think they were called uh, – let me actually pull up their name real quick so I don't get it wrong. Lazy Nerd Designs. They had some really cool T-shirts, pillows, wallets. All kinds of cool stuff, and I ended up getting uh, this shirt here. Oh, that's awesome! That's they, nice. they they had they had really cool stuff, but you know I I don't see too many uh, arrow shirts besides that one. Yeah, uh, the one I'm wearing right now, which for those of you who are Archer fans will will love that one. <laughs> uh, but it it was it was a really fun time. Got to got to meet a few of the cast members, and you know it was just a a, a nice fun weekend getaway. So which where was, was it nice. Held at? Uh, it was at the World Congress Center, which is like right in downtown next to the um, the Olympic Park. Um, it's near the new um, the new Mercedes Benz Stadium that they yeah. built. Um, so it, it's right, you know, it's right in downtown Atlanta, and we we stayed within walking distance of everything. So, like with the aquarium, was literally you walk out of the hotel, go to the right walk one block down make another right and it's right there that's awesome i so i i love to visit atlanta but i could never live there i've been there no many many times and good god i've been in traffic before in my life like new orleans has some crazy traffic um we have some pretty bad traffic here on the coast i've been all over tech most of the the, the east side of america i've been you know up north and stuff but i've never experienced traffic like I have in Atlanta. Those people are batshit crazy. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> they are. No, you're you're not lying. I can even remember, you know, cuz me and my family used to go to Atlanta every summer when I was a kid, and I remember it being bad back then. Yeah. And now being old enough to drive, it's it's 
it, it tests your driving ability and it tests your patience. Yeah. That's well, you, for sure. You know, the one main thoroughfare through there, and I don't know which interstate it is, but it cuts right through the city. Um, that's, um, that's I-85. I-85. When I was on tour back in the day, when I, when I was a younger man, we were in this big white, um, have you ever seen those like church vans? You know, those like, they seat like 15 people. We had yep. one of those that was converted, you know, into a band van. Um, and we had this giant trailer on the back that held all of our equipment. I had to drive that thing through I-85, through Atlanta, multiple times. And each time, I thought I was going to die. Seriously, I mean, I'm in this van with like eight other people in it. Uh, you know, a trailer that has like 5,000 pounds of equipment in it. And I'm white knuckling it through the city. And I'm going yeah. as fast as the van can go. Like, you cannot do the speed limit. The speed limit is just basically a suggestion. Like, it's not really a speed limit. That's more the minimum. That's the minimum yep. you need to be going in order to not die a fiery death. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, the speed limit's like 75 through there. And you have to be doing at least 90 to have people not, like, just flying past you like you're sitting still. And I'm in this van yeah. doing like 90 miles an hour. The, the engine is like redlining and I'm scared to death. And I will never, ever do that again for the rest of my life. I would rather die than have to do that ever again. <laughs> for anyone who's never done it before, I will warn you, it is it is quite an experience. Because we had actually went to, to go see Justice League uh, last night. So just imagine going through Atlanta on a Saturday night. <laughs> no, I don't want to. I'd rather because just fly we... into Atlanta, you know, take a cab or, you know, an Uber, wherever I need to go, and then fly out. I, I don't ever want to yeah. drive into that city again, ever. Yeah, and if you live in Atlanta, I'm a... sorry, but you people are, are nuts. <laughs> and you don't know how to drive. No, that... <laughs> No, you're you're absolutely right. But all, all in all, you know, it was it was a really fun trip. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I this weekend was pretty mellow for me. I actually spent most of my day today sleeping, so I'm pretty wide awake right now. Uh, nice. I, went to, I stayed up late last night. I actually texted you. What time did I text you last night? It was like, it was pretty late. Let me let me look real quick. It, it was right around the time Justice League was ending. Yeah. Whenever you texted like me, around eleven eleven thirty last night. It was. It was right around eleven. Okay. I was having a bit of a problem trying to get through. Um, uh, wait, uh, crap. What's the name of that one? The, uh, the camel on Zelda breath of the wild, the, uh, the camel, um, uh, I think it's like van meadow or something like yeah. that. I'll, I'll look it up real quick. Um, I went through that one and, uh, I got to, uh, dragon blight Ganon to fight and it took me two days to get through it. Uh, cause I don't have the master sword or anything, which is everybody's saying, you know, you should have the master sword before you go into that fight. Um, but basically I, it took me no less than probably, I'd say 30 tries is probably a conservative number to actually get through it. And over the course of two days. So I texted, I got so mad last night. I texted Derek. Uh, I don't remember my exact text, but I think it was like, I'm giving it two more shots. And if I don't get it in the next two tries, I'm giving up on this stupid game. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's paraphrasing a little bit, but yeah, that's basically what you said. And it was the second. It's Van try. De Boris, by the way, was the divine beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I I got to through the second try, and I got him. Barely, like I'm not kidding. I used up every single one of my weapons, uh, every single one of my arrows that I had, trying to get through this fight. And it got down to, I could get through the first and the second phase of the fight pretty easily. But it was the third phase of the fight was getting kind of rough because I would have to do a quick switch between, because all I had left were um, a couple of uh, pole arms. And mm-hmm. you have to be able to use a shield in order to block his attacks. And you have to be perfect with it because of the way he hits you. And if you block it perfectly, then, you know, you can come back at him and, and you have to switch between, if you don't have like a one handed weapon, you have to switch between, you know, using the shield and then switch over to your, your weapon real quick. And then, you know, hit him as hard as you can. And then you got to switch back over to using the, the shield. Well, I got to the part where, you know, he had hardly any, uh, health left. And I had one of the um, guardian um, pole arms left. That was all I had left. I had nothing left. And I had got in a lucky shot with him coming at me. Um, and I just barely blocked it with the shield. And I pulled out the pole arm and I started hitting him. And you know when you hit something, when something, uh, when your weapon gets, uh, when your weapon breaks, it hits them with like an extra bit of energy because you break yeah. the weapon. That's how I killed him was with that. Oh my, my God. weapon broke. It hit him with enough power to, to take off the rest of his health and it killed him. I, if, if my wife wouldn't have been sleeping next to me, I would have jumped up and started screaming for joy. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. So I immediately texted Derek and I was like, I did it. I beat him. I beat him with like 10 exclamation points <laughs> next to it. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I went through every single one of my weapons. I had almost all of my food, uh, whatever potions I had, and every single one of my arrows I went through during that stupid fight. It took everything I had to get through it. But I did it. To me, that was <laughs> and to me, that it. was the most difficult of the of the four Ganons you have to fight in God, the Divine Beast so. Bat. I, I will say, was that your second one? Yeah, that was my second one. Okay. Um, I would recommend for the last two, you should get the Master Sword. Okay. The only thing is you'll need at least 13 uh, hearts in your uh, in your life meter because the way you get it is once you go through the Lost Woods and you find it, you have to pull it out of the pedestal, but it'll actually like suck up your health uh, as wow. you're doing it. So if you have 12 or less, then it's going to kill you. So basically what but I should you have do 30- right now, instead of going after the, the other two, I should go ahead and um, go find all of the, um, what do you call them? The, uh, the, the shrines. The heart. Yeah. Go ahead and find all the shrines, all the map. Um, what do you call those? The map things, the big tall spheres uh, that you have to go up. The tower, those the, the tall towers. towers. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember their exact names, but so I should go ahead and do all that before about. I even go through through to get the other two. Well, it'll make the fights a lot easier. Okay, yeah, because I can't okay. I can't do that again. <laughs> that took that took too much out of me trying to get through that fight. the The only thing with the master sword is it never breaks, but it does run out of energy, so it has to recharge. But when you're in the divine beast, it will never run out of power. 
So you can use it on enemies inside the actual beast, and then when you do the boss, you won't have to worry about it running out of power. There is a way for you to unlock the unlimited power, but it's through DLC, which is very, very hard. Like, I've almost... You have to do this thing called Trial of the Sword, where you go through all these different rooms, and you start out, you have no armor, no weapons, no nothing. And you basically have to find, like, tree branches to go through, like, the first two or three levels of this trial. And then you'll get, like, your bow and arrow, a sword, and all that kind of stuff. And and limited armor. Like, you might get, you know, like, a shirt or something, or pants. But that's yeah. about it. Hmm. I haven't heard of that It's yet. really hard. It's well, really hard, but it's it's it will it will test your abilities in that game for sure. It took me forever to beat it. Well, you know, leading up to that, you know, that um, um, the the camel uh, machine, I can never remember the names of them. But leading up to that was pretty hard too because you had to go get the helm mm-hmm. uh, for the the little girl, the the queen. Um, and I can't remember the name of that. I can't remember the name of any of the stuff in this game. I, I sorry, I, I sound like an idiot. I can't remember. Her, I can't remember her name, but she's basically the queen of the Gerudo tribe. Yeah, that's it, Gerudo tribe. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Um, but you have to go through. You know, the you have to go find the mask, and that is a stealth mission. If there's there's yeah. two game types that will break a game for me that I hate. I hate stealth missions. Which is why I've never gotten into like Assassin's Creed or um, what were those games? Splinter Cell. Never got into mm-hmm. those games because I just I do not like stealth. And another thing that will break a game for me, I don't like escort missions. And World of Warcraft. Yeah, I, I don't used like to be those either. Awful about this escort mission. There's nothing worse than having your game come to a screeching halt because you've got to to escort. And protect some slow-moving NPC across the entire map. <laughs> it breaks the... I, I will literally quit a game if I have to do an escort mission. That's how bad it yeah. is for me at this point. Yeah, those are pretty awful. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I hate those. Those are really the only two things I don't like in a game. So, if there's more stealth missions coming up in this game, please don't tell me. I don't want to know because I'm enjoying the game too much. I don't want you to, to make me angry at it any more than I was already angry last night. Um, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I tweeted to Nintendo of America, um, Walter White giving the finger. <laughs> I said, whoever <laughs> programmed uh, Dragon Blight Ganon, I have a message. And I put that gif on there. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I had fun doing it, but good Lord, after like 20 tries, I was just like, I can't get through it. I can't, I'm not good enough at video games apparently anymore to keep going with this game. Well, you made it through what I think is the most difficult of the four. So (laughs) it, it should be. And once you get the master sword, it'll be a lot easier. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and move into our news for this week. And, um, really we don't have much. This is something that popped up in my uh, Twitter feed the other day. It's from uh, RetroUSB.com, and it's uh, a cart called 8-Bit Xmas 2017, and it's priced at $72, and that might seem like a little lot, but this looks really cool. 
this year's Xmas cart is a multi-cart that contains all nine previous year's 8-bit Xmas carts in one. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I'd never heard of 8-bit Xmas before, but it actually sounds pretty fun. Uh, it's kind of like party games, 8-bit uh, party games. Uh, They're in their original version, complete with original titles, title scenes, Christmas music, and of course the games. <clears throat> as well as being a multi-cart, this cart also contains an LCD screen in place of the label. The screen changes depending on what game you select. Uh, and they have a little uh, YouTube video here of the actual um, cart itself. This got uh, where the like where the label is, and it's an 8-bit Nintendo cart. And where the label is, there's a little LCD screen, and it constantly changes depending on what game you're playing on the cart, which I think is awesome. Have you? Yeah, seen, that's really you cool. See the, yeah, did you see the uh, the video for it? Um, I didn't get a chance to watch the video, but just the whole concept of this thing it, it, it looks really neat. So I, I do want to go back and, and watch the video, but it, it looks like a lot of fun. This looks like something I might actually uh, spend some money on. I have to see. Uh, the system compatibility list includes it works on authentic Nintendo systems, including um, uh, PAL, North uh, North American and Asian systems. Uh, works on HDMI systems like the AVS. Works on clones like the FC Twin, NEX, Yobo, and Retro Duo. Uh, untested on the Famicom using 72 to 60 bit pin convert uh, pin converters, but it should work. Uh, and it's also untested on portable systems, likely to work, but your batteries won't last. And then it does not work on stolen software emulators like the Retron 5. It is very interesting. Like I said, I, I love the concept of this, and I, I, I will check out the video once, uh, once we finish recording. Yeah, this looks really cool. I, like I said, this popped up on my feed the other day. I was like, what is this? Because they had the little video, a GIF of it, um, you know, on the... The actual tw uh, Twitter uh, account for him and the the tweet and uh, I was like, what is this? And it, it's got like little Christmas light. It's like a clear instead of a gray Nintendo cartridge. It's, it's clear, but it's got like um, like Christmas lights in it. It's really awesome. So if you get a chance to check it out, uh, just head over to retrousb.com. They're also on Twitter at retrousb. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. <laughs> In November of 1982, Konami releases Time Pilot. I need to check this out because I've never heard of this game before. I actually haven't either. I, I do like the the cover, the arcade flyer. It looks straight out of like the, you know, it looks just so 80s like, oh, and yeah. I love the the almost cartoonish feel of it too. Uh, it's a multi-directional scrolling shooter arcade game designed by designed by Yoshiki Okamoto. Uh, and released by Konami in 1982, uh, distributed in the United States by Century. It is a time travel themed aerial combat game that allows players to players playing to fly across open air space that scrolls indefinitely in all directions. That sounds kind of cool. It does sound cool. Uh, also in November of 1982, Microsoft Flight Simulator 1.0 is released for MS DOS. It becomes a standard compatibility test for early PC clones. Yeah, my uh, flight simulator was actually pretty popular throughout the '80s and '90s. Though the flight simulator games. Well, even um, I think Google has one now mm -hmm. that you can do some. They do some type of flight simulator, and you know, like I've I've briefly dabbled into it, but I, I've watched people do it, and just even watching it's fun. Yeah, it was pretty much the standard that all flight simulators were. Um, 
based on that came after that. Yeah. Uh, on November 14th of 1987, Sierra Online releases Space Quest II Vohal's Revenge, the second game in the Space Quest series. Uh, we've talked a lot about Sierra Online before, uh, especially in this mm -hmm. month in video game history. All the Quest series that they had. I mean, they had like... They, these people were cranking out games in the 80s. And it was... Uh, the Sierra Online games were cool, especially the gold box ones, where you could actually port your characters over to the next game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember us briefly mentioning you know, that aspect. Um, I've never heard of Space Quest, but I will say it sounds kind of like the name of some type of 80s show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you'd see a show on t TV called Space Quest. Space Quest! Quest! <laughs> I would watch that. Uh, oh, I would too. In November of 1993, LucasArts releases Sam and Max Hit the Road. I've not heard of this game either. Oh, you don't remember the Sam and Max games? They were pretty big back in the 90s. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, I quite a I've, few Sam and Max games that were released in the 90s. The cover looks kind of familiar, but... No, it's, it's not, it's yeah, not this really ringing the, any bell. Uh, the normal art that you would normally see with Sam and Max games. Uh, this is cover artwork by Steve Purcell. Um, if you look up Sam and Max, you'll see a little bit more of a... I mean, this is a cartoony style, but this is more of a... I don't know. This doesn't look like the normal Sam and Max um, uh, artwork that you normally see for Sam and Max games. Usually it's more um, of an animation style of artwork. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Sam Interesting. And Max had a lot of games back in the 90s. It looks like a game that I would have played like as a an educational thing in elementary yeah. school. <laughs> it does look like that. Uh on November 5th of 1993, 1993 had a pretty big November. Uh Mega mm -hmm. Man 6 was released in Japan for the NES. I do recognize the cover. You know, as I've mentioned numerous times, I haven't dabbled too much into Mega Man, but you you can't deny its longevity yeah. and its popularity and its success. Especially how many games they put out just for the NES. I mean, six games within like a, a six-year period. That's insane. And yeah, I, I remember period. him combining with, with Rush, his dog, because he, he's on the cover where he has, you know, like the jet boosters on mm -hmm. his back. And I always thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see, on November 11th, 1993, Virgin Games releases Disney's Aladdin for the Genesis, voted Genesis Game of 1993 by Electronic Gaming Monthly. I didn't know it was voted Game of the Year for the Genesis. I didn't know that either. That's uh, it's a, nuts. It's a really good-looking game, though. I mean, it holds up to yeah. today. Uh, it it no, very much looks animated. It's actually, um, according to Wikipedia... It became the third best-selling Sega Genesis game of all time. Oh, I don't doubt and, it. And there are more than three Sonic games, so that tells you that it outsold even at least one of those games. Wow. Well, Disney, um, was this made by, oh, this was by Virgin Games. I thought maybe it was by Capcom. And that's weird because most Disney games were developed, uh, wait, uh, here it says, um, the NES and Game Boy received a reworked port uh, one of the several video games based on the film, including another game that was released in the same month by Capcom for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. That's weird. 
Yeah, it says here the game sold 4 million copies at the time of its release, uh, making it the third best-selling Sega Genesis game of all time after Sonic 1 and Sonic 2. That's yeah. nuts. Huh. Wow, because like I said, most of the Disney games were actually made by Capcom, which it looks like a Capcom game, but it was uh, developed by Virgin. I don't, maybe it was developed by Capcom and distributed by Virgin. I don't know. I have to look deeper into that. Uh, on Also on November 15th of 1993, Clay Fighter is released in North America for the SNES. Did you ever play Clay Fighter? Uh, very briefly. I know it was made as kind of a knockoff on the Street Fighter games. Mm -hmm. I, I always... It was one of those games like I kind of wanted to get into it, but I remember playing it like in a is like a store demo. Yeah, but I, I never I actually owned it. it. I think I rented it one time, and games like this were a dime a dozen. Also, back in from like I'd say what like ninety that's ninety two ninety three to ninety five ninety six. There was just a slew of fighting games for the SNES that were trying to capitalize on the success of Mortal Kombat and uh, Street Fighter 2, but none of these games even compared. Most of them have just gone the way of, you know, uh, of forgottenness um, by now. Yeah. Like, But Clay Fighter still kind of sticks out as... I used to see a lot of um, advertisements for Clay Fighter, especially like in comic books of the time, and especially Nintendo Power. So I still remember this one, even though it's probably... It probably does not hold up at all. <laughs> no, I I haven't played this game since probably it first came out, but I, I would I would venture to say that you are probably right. And closing out this month in video game history on November twenty third, nineteen ninety three, Sega releases Sonic the Hedgehog Spinball for the Genesis. I never played this on the Genesis, but I love this game on the Game Gear. It was probably my favorite or second favorite Sonic game to play on the Game Gear because it's it's basically pinball, but with a Sonic twist to it. That's awesome. And to me, it, to me, it was like the perfect travel game, yeah. you know, because you're it's it's pinball basically, you know, it's it's a fun game to pass the time. And there there was a, a little bit of a story to it, but I never actually beat this game, but. I just liked it from the pinball element because I, I actually when I was growing up, I went through a phase where I was a huge fan of like pinball. I would try and find pinball machines to play. Mm -hmm. I, I remember there being like a space themed pinball game on my computer that I would play all the time. So yeah, th this game was it came out especially around the perfect time because that's when I was kind of going through that phase. That's something you don't really see anymore in gaming, even in like kind of um you know, so like, like maybe on like eShops or something like you, you would think that somebody would do um, pinball games still because it seems yeah. like it would be a cheap game to make. And you could do like, you know, you can make a very easy uh, app for like the iPhone or something like that would be the perfect, you know, maybe there is. I don't know. I haven't looked for a pinball game in so long. Maybe there are a lot of pinball apps, but that just seems like something that's gone the, the way of the dodo as far as gaming is uh, pinball simulators. No, you're right. Like I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen too much from anything pinball related lately. So, but there's there's got to be apps or or something yeah. you can download to play pinball. Because I still like playing the regular black box pinball for the Nintendo, and I actually, I mean, I'd like to review it as a pinball game, but. You know, I can't 
fill a 20 minute segment with it's pinball and it's good yeah. and it's on the Nintendo. So if you find it, pick it up because it's fun and the physics actually work. So there's my review for Nintendo's black box pinball. There you go. You get two and one reviews. Yeah, two and one. But uh, but actually, let's uh, that's going to round out our video game history. Uh, Derek, tell us about some books before we move into the review for tonight. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a, th- a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I'm almost done with <laughs> Legends of Luke Skywalker. I'm a little over halfway through with it. Um, I will have a couple of days off this week, so I hope to finish that up. You know, we got Thanksgiving coming up this week, so I've got uh, Wednesday through Sunday off, so should have some time to finish it up. It's kind of gone through a little bit of a lull. You know, like the beginning of it really intrigued me, and now it's kind of fallen off a little bit, so I hope that it picks back up. Uh, But long story short, it's a collection of stories that this group of ship workers are telling that they've heard about Luke. Some of them are sound like they could be true and others are just completely outlandish and and over the top funny kind of way. Mm. But the, the concept of it has grown on me. And there is one story that I think leads into the last Jedi or at least Luke's mindset Mm. going into the last Jedi. So that, that part has been, has been very intriguing. Um, but yeah, they've got all kinds of books. You know, Star Wars. If you're a gamer, they've got books from Halo, Gears of War, Mass Effect. Um, they have mysteries, fiction, nonfiction, romance. They have anything, and that's what's so great about Audible. If and if you don't have time to sit down and read a book like I do, Audible's a great service. You can listen to it, you know, while you're at the gym, while you're driving to or from work, or even if you're at work, if your work gives you the opportunity to do that, then there you go. But to do that, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. And tonight we're going to be talking about... I love that song. Love that song. That is the Emerald Hill Zone theme from my review this week, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for the Sega Genesis. Now, there is a reason why I picked Sonic 2 over Sonic 1 as being the first game of the Sonic series that I review on this show. It's my personal favorite one. And much like when I reviewed uh, Crash Bandicoot 2 a couple of months ago, it's the perfect example of taking the elements of what worked from the first installment and building on it and making it better, which to me, that's what every sequel to a game, movie, or any type of entertainment thing should be. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But this to me was a situation where it worked. That is To tell you a little bit about the game, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is a platform video game developed and published by Sega for the Sega Genesis console. 
It was released worldwide in November of 1992. It's the second main entry in the Sonic the Hedgehog series, and in the game, protagonist Sonic the Hedgehog and his sidekick Miles Tails Prower must stop series antagonist Dr. Ivo Robotnik, now known as Eggman, from stealing the Chaos Emeralds to power his space station, the Death Egg. So, for those who have played a Sonic game, you know how it works. You control Sonic and you run through the worlds as fast as you can, collecting rings and Chaos Emeralds and whatnot along the way. So, the things that Sonic 2 introduces that makes this game better, it introduces the character of Tails, who is almost like synonymous with Sonic. Tails, you know, runs along with Sonic in the levels. Um, what's cool is you can join at any time. Like if you have a friend or sibling who wants to play the game with you, you can literally plug in the second controller and they automatically take control of Tails. So doing kind of a co-op thing, which I don't remember that being too big of a thing back then because... You could do two-player like with a Mario game, but what you would do is you would play through a level as Mario, and whoever was Luigi would have to go through that level as well at, on their own. So it's it's not like you're really working together. It's just you're kind yeah. of playing the same game. Like the Contra games are really the only other kind of games that really readily come to mind where a player, a second player can pretty much jump in at any point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Getting to actually truly do teamwork, and it really works in what's called the special the special zone, where if you get 50 rings in a level and you find a star post, which is basically like a saving point, so if you die, you start at that point. This little ring of energy builds above the star post. You jump through it, and you go to what's called the special zone, where you have to collect a certain amount of rings. It starts, you're running through basically a half pipe. And you have to run through and collect a certain number of rings in a certain amount of time. Now, there will be bombs and obstacles that will try and stop you along the way. But if you make it to the end, you get a Chaos Emerald, which there are seven of those. Um, they're jewels that in the story basically contain uh, power that can be used, that can be harnessed for anything. Robotnik wants them to power his space station, which is called the Death Egg, which is a play on the Death Star. Uh, but if you if you collect the seven emeralds, you could do it in in, in Sonic One, but they didn't really serve a purpose. You just kind of collect them just to for the sake of beating the game a hundred percent. But in this game, it also introduces uh, Supersonic, which when you get set the all seven emeralds and you get fifty rings, you transform into Supersonic, which is like a gold version of Sonic, and he's invincible and also quite a bit faster. Um, but yeah, I really like this game because, you know, I remember being introduced to Sonic when it first came out. I saw the commercials and being, you know, a kid of how old was I in 91? I was five or six at the time. So I, I like I had to have this game. So I was able to get my hands on a Genesis, play through Sonic 1, liked it. And then Sonic 2 comes out and it just it, it blew my mind at the time. Um, the, the multiplayer, the co-op thing was pretty cool. I didn't get to do it a lot because I'm an only child. So I didn't, the only time I would have, you know, a second person is if I had a friend over, but it really kind of took the building blocks that Sonic one set 
and then made it even better. And then it even improved on that with Sonic 3, which I'll review that on on a different episode. But, so you Sonic know, the, 3, this, is Sonic 3 technically uh, Sonic and Knuckles? Or am I thinking of, is Sonic and Knuckles a separate game? Sonic and Knuckles is a separate game. It came out right after Sonic 3. Uh, okay. And then, um, which that's actually a good segue into another cool feature with Sonic 2. I've explained the whole lock-on cartridge with Sonic and Knuckles. You basically open the top of the cartridge, and there's a slot where you can plug in another cartridge. You can do you can put Sonic 2 on top of Sonic and Knuckles, and you can play through the entire Sonic 2 game as Knuckles. And he has different abilities than Sonic does, so it, it makes it for a you know a completely different playing experience which is is really cool like that that whole concept to me was so revolutionary at the time and I don't feel like it gets the credit that it deserves because you know rare tried it with the banjo kazooie games and and they couldn't do it but the genesis did it you know years and years before hmm. with the sonic franchise but this is to me is the most replayable also of the sonic games just because all the zones are so fun and they all provide different challenges. And I love that in a game, especially, I mean, I would consider Sonic to be a, a platforming game, even though it's, it's different than a Mario game, but I would still put it in that genre. You, it, it gives so many different challenges. Like you'll do one where you're basically in the sky and you have to jump from cliff to cliff. So it's to not fall. The next one will have, you know, will be in like an aquatic uh, ruins area where it's mostly water and you have to find air bubbles to keep breathing so you don't die. Um, and the music is so, so good. That to me is one of the best things about the Sonic franchise is just the music in general, yeah, especially I with the especially with the 2D games. You know, the, the one that you played, the Emerald Hill Zone theme, is one of my all-time favorites. And that's what I, I love, say, honestly. Go ahead. I was going to say, that's one thing I can say about the Sonic games, is they did have some of the best music of this era. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Mar the Mario music and stuff, but, um, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, that, especially, you know, the first game, that um, theme will just get stuck in your head. And just, mm -hmm. you know, it's that earworm that all those games sort of had. And you had to have something that was really good like that because you're going to be hearing that stuff a lot, you know. You don't want to make a mu uh, video game music that's going to drive somebody crazy. You want to have stuff that's like a good earworm to get stuck in people's heads. Mm -hmm. You could go through the entire soundtrack of Sonic 2 and there might be one track that I might skip mm. like it, it, the soundtrack is that good. It's that catchy and all they all fit their respective level. And that's kind of crazy to me because I can think of even some Mario songs where I'm just like, okay, that one was kind of cool. But with, with Sonic with the 2d versions, like I'm the 3d games are to me their own separate thing. Yeah. But all the, all the music has been good for the Sonic games. And you know, the, I remember this game even being like really highly praised and really kind of put Sega on the map, you know, Sonic one 
did it to an extent, but Sonic 2 really, it, it even helped them out financially too, because it says here, uh, Sonic 2's financial success was a major factor in Sega catching up to Nintendo in the early 90s console wars. It brought their market share up to 50% within six months of its release. Well, you know, you're not the only person that, you know, I've heard over the years saying that Sonic 2 <clears throat> was not, not only their favorite Sonic game, but possibly, you know, their favorite Sega Genesis game. So Sonic 2, I even remember at the time, Sonic 2 was a pretty big deal. And it even mm -hmm. says here that Sega launched a $10 million advertising campaign for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which you got to think, in 1992, uh, you know... With the rate of inflation in 1992, that was probably the equivalent of like $40, 50000000 million at the time. Yeah. And this game's even been, you know, remastered so many times as well. It was remastered for um, for smartphones in uh, 2013. It's on, God, who knows how many compilations. I know they did at least two for um, the GameCube. And it was on those uh, Xbox, PlayStation. It's been remastered and re-released so many times. And I remember back in, let me look up the exact date. Um, it was in 20... All right, so it's for 20th anniversary, so it had to be 2011. Uh, Sega released uh, a game called Sonic Generations which is like a tribute in a way to the history of the franchise because you go through a lot of the old levels in the older games. And, you know, they had the Green Hill Zone from Sonic 1, obviously, because that was the first Sonic level that was ever seen. And then from Sonic 2, they released um, the Chemical Plant Zone, which is my favorite level from that game and my favorite song from that game. So going back through and playing it, you, know, you play through it as a 2D version of Sonic where it's basically like playing the old Genesis games and then modern Sonic, which is kind of a hybrid of 2D and 3D. Yeah. But I remember the first time I played through that um, in the classic mode, you know, it, I was just flooded with memories. Like I, I could remember sitting in my parents' living room uh, playing that level on the Genesis on their TV. And it just it, it brought me back to such a, a cool like a cool mindset. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm a huge fan of of this game. You know, like I, I know we've talked about maybe at the end of the year doing like our ten favorite retro games of all time. Yeah. And th this is this is for sure on it. You know, it's it, it was to me the peak of of Sonic. To me, I don't know if Sonic will ever be as good as he was during this game because it was just it fit. It fit everything. It fit that that style of play, the story, the music, all of it. it it's easily to me the best Sonic the Hedgehog game ever made. And if no one's ever played it, definitely check it out, because if you're if you're a Sonic fan and you just love running almost blindly through levels as fast as you can, now at times you can't because there are obstacles in the way, but it's, it's a really, really fun game. It's one of my all time favorite video games. And to, to read some of the reviews, uh, as far as number score goes, electronic gaming monthly gave it a 35 out of 40 
Uh, Game Informer gave it a 9.5 out of 10. GamePro gave it a 5 out of 5. Uh, Bad Influence gave it 5 stars. Uh, IGN, when they rated the Wii Virtual Console version, they gave it an 8.5 out of 10. So it's the reviews are really, really high. And I would give this, I would say, a 9, maybe even a 9.5. Wow. That's high it's, praise. It's really, really good. I, I, I love this game. Well, like I, I said, that, to me, it is the peak of Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, I think with the release of that uh, recent Sonic game, the Sonic, what was it called? Sonic Forever? Sonic Mania. Sonic Mania. I think that goes to show that, you know, you know, they tried to have Sonic kind of keep up with Mario and move into a 3D world. And just because you can bring Sonic into a 3D world doesn't mean you have to. Leave Sonic where he belongs and where he fits the best, which is a 2D side-scrolling environment. You can add in the 3D aspects of it like they did with this game, you know, with the uh, the special stages, looking for the Chaos Emeralds, like, like you said. You can do stuff like that, but just kind of keep Sonic in his wheelhouse. And I think they would find that people are, are willing to, you know, kind of bring Sonic back into the forefront as... Um, you know, maybe not, maybe even as a Nintendo mascot at this point, along with Mario and Link and uh, Samus. I mean, why not? He was right there with Mario back in the day. Just because he wasn't a Nintendo property back in the day doesn't mean he's not now. You know, he is a Nintendo yeah. property now. So let's give him the same love that we give Mario and, and Link. And, you know, like we talked about last week with Little Mac, make a good punch out game. Bring Little Mac back into the forefront. I want to see Little Mac back as a, a Nintendo mascot, and I'll be happy. I'm picturing a t-shirt with Mario, Link, Samus, Sonic, Little Mac, all these characters, and yeah. just like in a circle, and then you just put the Nintendo logo right yes. there. That's actually a good idea for a t-shirt. <laughs> I might uh, do that in Photoshop and uh, see if I can submit it to Nintendo and be like, make this a shirt. That will it would actually make them money, so they probably won't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> if I make it myself <laughs> and I make the money, they'll damn sure come after me. I'll tell you that. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. They'll have <laughs> they'll have like representatives at your door within the hour. Like I actually have a black uh, shirt with a red Nintendo logo on it that I made at work because I work at a t-shirt shop. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'm scared to wear it <laughs> at like, you know, conventions and stuff because I'm like expecting a Nintendo rep to come and grab me by the shoulder and be like, where'd you get that shirt? You'll see three guys in suits that just kind of yeah. look at you and then they look at each other like, oh no, it's oh, happening. No. Oh no, they're coming after me and taking my shirt. Not my shirt. They're going to take me away. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, that's going to do it for this week unless you got um, anything else you want to bring up. Um, no, just be sure to, uh, to check out the Derek diamond experience. Um, did a really fun Facebook live AMA. It was one of the more fun ones, uh, that I got to do, you know, is there weren't a ton of people that watched, but there was, there, there were constant questions yeah, coming I listened in, to whether it the other day, it was a very good show. Yeah. It had questions from, you know, favorite movies mm -hmm. to, whether or not I prefer tater tots or French fries. So <laughs> you, you never know what you're going to get with those. And um, I will say, and I think this might be breaking news, but 
congratulations to my friend and Nerd Cave co-host Robbie Rawls for getting engaged. Oh wow! Congrats to Robbie. I didn't know that. I haven't yeah, been on he, Facebook he, lately, yeah. so I don't know what's going on with anybody. Yep. Yeah. It uh, it happened. So congratulations to him and his now fiance Holly. So uh, good stuff. Awesome. Uh, we do have some big news uh, and some big changes coming to the Pop Culture Palette podcast. Um, uh, we're going to uh, announce those on next week's show. So if you listen to this show and you listen to the Pop Culture Palette, we do have some big changes coming. Um, nothing bad, you know. Like don't don't worry, especially if you're a Patreon supporter. Don't worry, you're still going to get your your same amount of shows every month. But um, we're we're going to have some major changes to the show because um, you know we've kind of gotten a, uh, away from what we originally wanted the show to be, and um, we got some really cool stuff that we want to do for the show. So uh, something we've been talking about for a while, and I think we're ready to pull the trigger on it. So. Listen to the show this coming up week, um, but you can listen to last week's show. Go to uh, pcpradio.com. You can download it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast from. But, uh, but definitely, if you like that show and you like this show, we do have some changes coming up, and we're going to be announcing those changes next week. Um, as far as my review for next week, uh, it's going to be Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, I'm not sure what I want to play yet. Uh, it's either going to be between Strider or um, an SNES title. And I'm thinking I might do Super Return of the Jedi. Nice. Maybe. It is almost Star Wars time. Yeah, it is. I thought maybe that would be a good time to do it. So I may do that. I, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'll do Super Return of the Jedi next week. It, it, I feel you know the Star Wars mania is starting to hit me full swing. So I'm, I'm ready to talk some star wars i like it so um that's it we can go ahead and uh we'll go ahead and get out of here for tonight play our music and if you would like to email us you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com we're on nerdcaveretro.com we're on instagram and twitter at nerdcaveretro at jfunktastic at derek underscore diamond and we're also on facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro and don't forget to go on itunes or wherever you listen to our show leave us a review that helps put us in front of more people and um it'll grow our audience and the show will get bigger and better so all it takes is go over there and give us a thumbs up review or actually write um how much you love us so please do that and we will see you next week so Derek, tell them what it's all about may the way of the hero lead to the triforce you've been listening to a nerd cave network production